Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We hit the field light. Oh, all day light. Oh, all night light. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Ah. Keep it all. Keep it all. Keep it all. This is the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast with James Rapine and Daryl Ryder on 923thefan.com. What up and welcome into another edition of the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast. I'm James Rapine. He is Daryl Ryder. We are your beat writers for 923 The Fan, 923thefan.com. It is great to be with you on a bye week. We have a ton of Browns to cover over the next 40 minutes or so. Trent Williams, we'll get into that. The trade deadline, Freddie Kitchen's performance over the first six weeks of the season. Baker Mayfield and so much more coming at you. But first, a quick reminder to subscribe, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts, including the Radio.com app. Make sure you subscribe. Leave us a five-star review so more Cleveland sports fans can find this podcast. And, Daryl, let's jump right into it because you were there the other day. I was there the other day. First Energy Stadium. It was a game that was there for the taking Browns lose. They fall to 2-4. and four. I don't want to talk so much about the game. If you want more game coverage, Daryl's got you covered at 923thefan.com. But now the Browns 2-4 and four in the middle of a bye week. Trade deadline October 29th. That's 12 days from right now as we record this. They have flaws. They have New England looming. Trent Williams is hovering. There's rumors all over. Trent Williams, will he be a Brown in the next 12 days, Daryl? I'm going to say no because Bruce Allen is not Dave Gettleman. See, but but that's the thing. That's that's fine to say. I think Bruce Allen's the biggest idiot in the world. That's my whole point. I, not that Dave Gettleman, but I, I don't think Dave Gettleman's smart. But to me, even though that trade doesn't look awful for the Giants. But anyways, uh, to me, why would you have this commodity in a league that is desperate for good offensive linemen? This isn't a Browns issue. It's a league issue offensive line troubles new england's had them uh you know all all different teams across the league good and bad have had them you could get a ton for trent williams and they haven't the browns obviously one of the teams calling i think that's fair to say but uh unable to get something done it sounds like the redskins aren't willing to make a move to quote the great john dorsey it takes two to tango i mean that's (laughs) he's calling he's been calling for a while now and he hasn't been able to get anything done and uh you know that's not on him he's been trying it's just it's just not happening right now so um I I think that Dorsey's a little frustrated by it too because he wanted to have this thing resolved weeks ago but you know Bruce Allen's not not budging and he's basically doing to Bruce Allen what he did to Dave Gettleman and that is just call the guy incessantly and beat him over the head with the phone until he finally gives in. The problem is, is I don't think Bruce Allen's going to give in like Gettleman did. I, I just, I don't see it happening. So, um, there, gonna, there has to be a price. Yeah, I mean, there, there has to be a price for Trent Williams. I, I've heard a few different. Is things. it two first? Uh, I, I've heard a few different things, and mm-hmm. I can tell you the Browns aren't trading their first round pick next year. 
to make it happen. Then they're not getting him. And I do think Trent Williams is going to get moved. Someone in that organization, I don't know who, is going to have to convince Mr. Bruce, Brucey, as we will call him, that he needs to make this deal, or a deal, not this deal with Cleveland, but a deal, because the offers that are going to come in over the next 12 days to the Redskins, if they're willing to listen... For a 31-year-old who hasn't done squat this year? quarterback-like haul. Like, you're going to get a haul that you'd get for a franchise quarterback, potentially. I'm serious. Like, one to two, one to two first-round picks. I'm not kidding you. I would not be shocked at all if New England or another one of these teams, everyone talks about the Patriots and wide receiver. Would you give up the 30th or 32nd pick plus a conditional second or third for Trent Williams? I think they'd do that tomorrow. You know, they've had issues on the line. You keep Tom Brady upright, he's going to win another Super Bowl. I think, hell, the Rams have had offensive line issues. They don't have any firsts. But they, the Rams they, are so desperate they traded for Austin Corbett. That, but but that's the point. Is like it's it's a thing that's gone on across the league. The Browns and John Dorsey, if they especially if they don't want to give up a first, they got to look elsewhere. I know Trent Williams is the flashy name. Offensive line isn't about flash. I, Go find a competent lineman I that you can you, get for a mid-round pick, and they're out there, and I'll give you a name in a second. Go ahead. I guarantee you John Dorsey's calling other teams right now. He has to. He has been. He has to, and he has um, to get a tackle. But as he said, it's easier said than done. Tackles are a rare commodity. Quality tackles are mm-hmm. a rare commodity. He made two trades for a couple of interior offensive linemen already okay and i think that it's going to be very interesting to see how that offensive line looks coming out of the bye i don't think they're going to stay with the same starting five because here's the thing they're two and four the blame has to go somewhere okay somebody has to pay the price for them being two and four well, it should and be for baker mayfield's completion percentage being 56.6 and the fact that baker mayfield leads the nfl with 11 interceptions someone has to suffer those consequences. It ain't going to be Baker Mayfield. He's the franchise. So who, who who's left to blame? It's the offensive line. So they're going to shake up the offensive line. There's no doubt in my mind that that's going to happen. question is, what changes realistically can you make that's going to make them better? And I'm not so sure that they have a whole hell of a lot currently on the roster that's going to elevate that position group. The trade, the Duke Johnson trade, they got a conditional third, right? It's a, a fourth-round pick that could be a third, Yeah, if I remember correctly. Yeah, something like that. You're the Browns reporter, so I figured I would confirm that before I propose this to you. I have a trade. Ready for this? Take that pick and send it somewhere? Take that pick and send it to a team I'm very familiar with. The Bengals? For Cordy Glenn. And you're going to roll your eyes because he hasn't played a snap this year. And now, now you're rubbing your head. You're I'm going, listening. You're going to have to take a risk. If you, Trent Williams is a risk, by the way. He's 31, hasn't played in a year, and is injury-prone. And even though he's good when he's healthy, who knows if he can stay healthy. And that's why I'm not giving up a first-round pick for and him. And that's why Cordy Glenn fits the role perfectly. The Bengals rebuilding. They haven't had Cordy Glenn all year. They're already 0-6. They'll be 0-7 after they lose to Jacksonville. Glenn practicing again. He's dealt with a concussion all year. Has one more year left on his contract next year. No dead cat money, though, if they want to move on from him. Next season, the Browns, if, if they do, and they might not want to in this type of league, Glenn would be by far your best tackle option. Big, strong, has a shot. Like That's part of the reason why the Bengals line is so terrible. But if they can get a potential third-round pick 
And if you're the Browns, why not do it? Because you're trading Duke Johnson for a tackle. You would obviously do that. You're- that, to me, makes so much sense. And, and the thing is, is you're, you might be overpaying for a guy who hasn't played this season, but that's that's the risk you're probably going to have to take if you're going to upgrade the tackle position, whether it's Trent Williams with the first and more or elsewhere. Glenn's the guy. You overpay a little bit in the division. Get that deal done. They agreed to an A.J. McCarron deal a couple years ago. An interdivision trade can happen. Cordy Glenn to Cleveland. Bring him here. I'm sure Mike Brown will just be thrilled to do that. I think he would. I think he would do that. I'm serious. Why wouldn't he? I would I would love if I'm the Bengals to have an extra fourth or third round pick for a guy who hasn't played at all, and you're not going to want to invest 8 to $9 million in him. You already drafted his replacement in Jonah Williams last year. It makes a ton of sense for both sides. Yeah, here's my concern with John Dorsey right now. Are you shooting down my trade offer? No. Come on now. I, I just have another point to make here. Okay. You're shooting it down. I, I you're just ha- glossing ha- it over. I have a concern. Yeah. That John Dorsey has a blind spot for offensive linemen. Name me one offensive line move he's made since taking over with this team that has worked. I don't think that's a John he, Dorsey he, problem. Yeah, 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 it is. No. He overpaid for Chris Hubbard. Greg Robinson was a flash in the pan last year. Um, He has basically thrown mud against the wall with the two guys he got uh, at the deadline. Drafted mm-hmm. Austin Corbett. Already got him out of here because he's terrible. I just the, the, the two guys that he inherited... Thank goodness, J.C. Treader and Joel Batonio, or else they'd really be in a world of hurt. And he traded, I, he traded the other guy that they should every, have kept. Every in every GM has a blind spot. I mean, mm-hmm. Ozzie Newsom had a blind spot for wide receivers. I think John Dorsey's blind spots offensive line. See, I don't think. That's fair because I think the league's blind spot right now is offensive linemen. Well, I think it's fair because again, John Dorsey's not made one move on the offensive line that's actually worked. But what I'm saying is, how many and he's teams? Made, it's not like he's only made. It's not like Austin Corbett was the only move he made. Sure, but how many teams have whiffed on offensive linemen over the past couple of years? I understand that. All but, of them. Like, well, the, how many teams whiff on quarterbacks? You, you, this is what. How many teams whiff on tight ends? Like, I just, I don't think it's that much that's a easier fair to argument. find a serviceable tight end than it is a serviceable offensive lineman. It's not even close. But think about. It. I mean, that, that's why I just mentioned Cordy Glenn, a guy who's been in concussion protocol for the past two and a half months, is the Browns' target, and that would be my target, by the way. And it isn't because I used to cover the Bengals; it's because he is really good when he's healthy. But he hasn't been healthy, and it's a roll of the dice. But that's what you got to do if you're the Browns right now. To me, like the Brown, uh, the the Patriots, they signed freaking Russell Bodine. From the Bills, they traded for him and cut him three days later. Like, well, no one knows how to you know gauge offensive linemen now. Like, everyone's desperate. The, the Bills came out of their training camp thinking they had, like, nine offensive linemen, and they just started trading fools. Yep. Like, if you remember, yeah. like, they're like, oh, we got two. We basically have two starting offensive lines, and it turns out they didn't have one starting offensive line. Yeah, it's – to me, it is – I say that facetiously. Though. Yeah, I mean – To the use Bills, Freddie Kitchen's favorite word, I say The Bills are actually pretty good. The Bills might beat the Browns. We won't go to there yet. Yeah. That, that's old, a, that's going to be a tough game. That old, will not be an easy game. The, the old schedule game that I've been playing for the last couple of weeks here, it, not looking so hot for the Brownies these days. At Denver, much tougher than people thought. Yeah, they're Buffalo playing well. at home, much tougher than people thought. Even at Arizona, much tougher than Pittsburgh people thought. Pittsburgh is not going to be a gimme. Nope. 
There, beat, there are no they, gimmies. They have won two games with backup quarterbacks since Ben Roethlisberger went down. Actually, I lied. Miami and Cincinnati, two gimmies. My, well, there's three, three. So that's three, three wins. They, so they're going to so win. So they have five wins right they're now. They're at five and 11 right now. Got to get the nine. No, they got to get to 10. 10 the magic number. Because when you're talking nine, that means you have a tiebreaker on on Baltimore. Because I think it's going to be the between the Browns and Baltimore to win the division. Mm-hmm. And I think that the Ravens are going to come in here and just kick the holy snot out of the Browns for payback for I don't what think happened so. in Baltimore. Payback? No, I don't, I don't believe Kick the snot? I don't believe that. I think it'll be a close game. I do. Anyways, all right. So I'm do, rarely wrong when it comes to the schedule game, by the way. Do they trade? You had them at 10 and 6. I did. All right. So they're still going to be 10 and 6? No. I had them 10 and 6, too. So they, I, they, I, I dropped they, down here's, to here's, 9 and 7 now. Here's my fear. They need to be 10 and 6. My fear now is they're going to go 6 and 10 or nine, uh, 7 and 9. Come on. I'll, I'll take the over. They, Stop it. I'll take the I'm, over. I'm very concerned. But here, here's why I say that. Can we and bet it's, on this? It's, it's part of the reason that I asked Let's bet John Dorsey what I asked him the I, other day. I and definitely want was, you to take me to dinner. Can you correct penalties? Can you correct all these turnovers midseason? See, I th- I'm a big believer in habits or habits, okay? Once you have the habits, you can't get rid of them. Not, not in the middle of a season. Now, Dorsey believes that all of a sudden, they're going to come out of the bye. They're not going to uh, commit these penalties. They're all of a sudden going to become a disciplined team. I disagree. I think they are what they are. They're an undisciplined, extremely talented team that's going to continue to shoot themselves in the foot in the same manner in which they've shot themselves in the foot for the first six weeks because I just believe that the habits have been formed. You can't break the habit midseason. I, just, I firmly believe that. Mm-hmm. And I will be happy to eat crow. If they come out of the bye and just all of a sudden they start playing like the New England Patriots. That's what makes the Patriots good. The, 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 there is, there's a myth out there that the Patriots play perfect football. They don't. They just play mistake-free football. Mm-hmm. And there's a, to me, there's a difference between playing perfect football and playing mistake-free football. They play mis- they're disciplined under Bill Belichick. That's, that's why that franchise has been so good. That's why, that for whatever reason, except for Antonio Brown, if you go to New England, you are, you just fit right in all of a sudden and become like Jamie Collins when he came here and got paid and and then he was supposed to be a cornerstone of the franchise uh, rebuild and he was hot garbage he wasn't very good he wasn't the Pro Bowler that he was in New England then what does he do he resigns with the Patriots and all of a sudden people are talking like he's in the running for Defensive Player of the Year. It's just I don't I I just I don't know what Bill Belichick does up there, but the guy's a freaking genius. He really is, because his system just works. You know, down in in Pittsburgh with their the it doesn't matter if they switch out their running backs, if they switch out their receivers, or right now their quarterback. Like they're maintaining. Now I, the Steelers on a playoff team, obviously without Big Ben. That's not what I'm saying. My my point is though is it's not the raging dumpster fire that it probably should be, or the raging dumpster fire would be if the Browns were in that. Situation. Yeah, they'll be seven nine eight and eight. They'll be in that realm, you know, and or, they'll be competitive he, every week. Yeah, you, that that's my point. So um, that's why I am so concerned about the Browns right now. The turnovers, the lack of discipline with all these penalties, and yeah, they've gotten the shaft multiple times from the officials. Okay. But it's not an excuse. I don't, I don't see teams, New England. Teams across the league are getting it from I, the officials. By the way, do you ever notice New England in one of these official controversies? No. Where it's like, oh, man. It, no, it's Detroit. An historically trash team with a bad organization. With or the lack, Browns. With or the Bengals. Or the Steelers. Yes, it's always, oh, my God, I can't believe they made that call. 
No, in reality, the Lions didn't make enough plays. Right. In reality, the Browns had the game and they gave it away against Seattle. Hey, I don't want to blame the penalties. Guess what? The for as egregious as the officiating was against the Seahawks, if the Browns don't commit four turnovers and have a block punt, maybe they win that game. Yep, and All that's right. and that's with and that's that's why I won't. Why that's why I acknowledge the officiating is trash in the league and they need to do something about it, especially with legalized gambling. You have millions and millions and millions of dollars on the line. Mm -hmm. You're not betting does a team win or lose, you're betting against the spread. Okay. And I'm I'm waiting for the first scandal to come out. I really am. And I'm not saying that there's something nefarious going on. I want to make that very clear. And I'm not even speculating it. I'm just saying at some point this is going to become an issue for the league. They want the gambling revenue, but the, with the revenue comes some ramifications and some accountability. I love what Joe Schobert said about it. It's time to start publicly shaming the officials the way you publicly shame players with fines and suspensions and, and, and whatever. I'm not saying that that and, and Joe wasn't saying that they should fine and suspend officials, but I thought he made a pretty intelligent point that, you know what, when a player screws up, when he whether it's a you know through penalty or whatever, it's it's very public, okay? It's very public what that discipline is. Well, maybe there needs to be some level of public accountability for your officiating crews. What and and whatever mechanisms you can negotiate for that to happen, but I think that that will make the officiating better because you've had a lot of guys retire, a lot of your be basically your best officials have all retired. They're in the broadcast booths for network TV. And so that you know the league has a major problem with officiating, but that is not why the Browns are two and four. No, they are two and four because Baker leads the league in picks. Baker's been sacked sixteen times. He's been hit another twenty five times. Um, the defense isn't isn't as stout and strong as it needs to be. The run defense is early in the season was very, very good. You know, Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell holding those guys under 100 yards. Then they go up, give up 275 against the 49ers. They give up three digits again um, last week against the Seahawks. So, you know, the Browns are the reason why they're 2-4. and four. And I just see way too many problems and way too many trends with this football team for me just to think that just because the schedule flips in their favor – that all of a sudden all their problems are going to be solved and they're going to rip off, you know, nine of ten down the stretch or something like that. I just I don't see it happening because they're not dis they've not shown me the discipline that's required to make that happen. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm James Erpine. Discipline. Where does that come from? We'll get into that and we'll discuss the turnover issues, the penalties, and so much more. This is the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back into the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm James Erpine. All right, you mentioned the turnovers. You mentioned the penalties. To me, I'm more concerned about the penalties than the turnovers because I think some of the turnovers are just a misstep here, uh, an inch there, little things, about balls bouncing against the Browns right now. Everything seems to be going against them from a, a luck standpoint when you're talking in-game. Uh, and I'll give you an example. Baker has 11 interceptions, right? One of his interceptions, and again, people, Sports Center tweets out, Lamar Jackson has 11 touchdowns. Baker has 11 picks. Like, you know, it's just all over right now. There's no context with that. So there are such things as good interceptions. And I'll give you one. It ended the Rams game. Fourth down, Baker gets pressured, bails to the right, makes a great throw. It was a great throw. It was the only place he could put the ball. It happens to get picked on fourth down, ends the game. Who gives a damn? Literally, that interception means okay. So he's down to ten. Continue means nothing. Yeah. Okay. We could keep going. Uh, the ball's off the receiver's hands, going directly. Like, like the Jarvis Landry pick. I get it. It's behind Jarvis, but it falls directly into a Seattle defender's. Like sometimes those just fall, and right now they're not falling. And the last thing I want is Baker to play it safer because I I think the more it, the more time he gets with OBJ and Jarvis Landry, it, it's going to be fine. But this idea that Baker, and I've heard this, Baker's an interception machine. Baker it takes too many chances. He does this. He does. He's forcing the ball to OBJ. I, I don't believe any of that. I don't think he's forcing the ball to OBJ at all. I think the play calling, and we'll get into Freddie Kitchens, was awful up until the Seattle game. Don't tell John Dorsey that. It was awful. The the play calling, I crushed Freddie Kitchens. Can, can I say something During real quick? the tailgate warm-up. Because, it, yeah, in two seconds. Because he put Baker in a position to fail through the first five weeks. And he finally, they finally looked like they were getting into rhythm against Seattle. But now it feels like it's too little too late because they're 2-4 and four with New England looming. And the Patriots are one of the best defenses in the game. So it's just tough. But, no, I, I think the ball will start to bounce the Browns' way a bit. But this idea that you're right, that the turnovers are going to simply go away and that this team is going to simply play clean football, not good, clean football, it's not happening. And it's because where's the problem? It's Freddie Kitchens. He's the head coach. He's the guy who disciplines the team. You mentioned Bill Belichick with how disciplined the Patriots are. If he gets the credit in New England, Freddie Kitchens should take the blame here in Cleveland. As much as I respect John Dorsey, I came out of his press conference thinking the Browns were four and two, not two and four. <laughs> he was really jolly, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. And oh, we love Baker. We love Freddie. We love love everything. Love everything that's going on. Yeah, like buddy boy. I'm just like, what the hell have you been watching for six weeks? You love the play calling. The play calling has been awful. Really awful. Like that's the worst part about it for me is the play calling. Against the Rams, he called the same plays, and none of them worked. Last week against the Seahawks on the fourth down, he called the same play twice. It didn't work. Like, I in between the challenge to be kind of sort of fair, but you would think that if you try to run a play, but then they finally acknowledge that you're trying to challenge the play, 
wouldn't you just come out with a different play? Why would you try and run the same thing? Mm-hmm. It makes no sense to me. And this is why. And Go ahead. I, you know, so I no, I don't think that Freddie's done a great job. I like Freddie. It's nothing personal. This isn't about whether or not I, whether or not I like Freddie. Uh, I like Freddie a lot. I, I really do. Um, I think a lot of people like Freddie, but he's not done a good job. I'm sorry. You know what happened to the we came out of Indianapolis as a team, and then all of a sudden now, well, we're playing as a group and not as a team. I'm just pointing out that Freddie has that's no your job. idea. Like that's right your now. job as the coach is to get this this talent. The reason you were hired, and it it it's it's cold, it's callous to say, but it's the reality. The Browns don't have time for Freddie Kitchens to learn to be a head coach. He just has to be the head coach. You know, this team was built to win now, win games now, get to the playoffs now, not next year, the year after, or whatever. Like, this isn't a a, 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 a trial period or what. Like, no, no on-the-job training, man. You like, see the you problem gotta, here, right? I, I, of course I see the problem. John Dorsey set him up to fail. A first-year head coach who had never been a coordinator. He'd never. Well, I don't he, know if you set him up to fail when you give him the volume of talent that he has to work with. He's no, been given the. He's been bestowed the most. You know who's jealous of Freddie Kitchens right now? Pat Shermer, Rob Chudzinski, Eric Mangini, Romeo Cornell. I mean, Chris you can Palmer. Say, you can say Hugh Jackson. It's okay to say him too. Hugh Jackson. All right. Um, by the way, every single one of those guys. And by the way, I think Hugh Jackson's three and three at worst with this team. Every single one of those guys had You're been just a... going to blow that off. No, I, I will get to it. Every single one of those guys had been a coordinator. Every single one of those guys had been hired in the off season to be a coordinator. We sat in this very room six, seven months ago, and I said this is a legitimate concern, and it is because Freddie Kitchens is learning on the job. Yes, which is fine in a first year head no, coach. No, it's not. Here's For the, the Browns. Problem. Not. It's not for the Browns, and the problem is is the team is apparently ready. Everything's there. You trade for OBJ. You have Nick Chubb. Um, you're going to have Kareem Hunt. You, you brought obviously, in Vernon and Richardson. You obviously have Jarvis. You know, you're active. You, you get greedy to go along with Denzel, and you have these young corners that are promising, and you like the secondary, and you like the Marius Randall. Like, there's all these pieces. Miles Garrett, obviously. All these pieces. Freddie Kitchens isn't ready, and he wasn't ready during the interviews, and they hired him because of some success with Baker Mayfield. You know who would have had success with Baker Mayfield? Bruce Arians. That's who would have had success with Baker Mayfield. Instead, he's stuck with Jameis Winston enjoying the Tampa Sun right now because, and I, we've talked about this, oh, yeah, Bruce, Bruce Arians went out in the media and said he would be interested in the job. Who cares? He's proven. I want a proven head coach that isn't going to be concerned or worried about his challenge flag like to me this team you know who would be better for this team literally any coach that had been a head coach before and been a coordinator before so you could say Hugh or and you could go on and on and on because they're more qualified because they have the experience Freddie doesn't have it and we're seeing it over the first six weeks and he doesn't know how to use timeouts it really isn't fair to him because it would be like saying hey 23 year old Dale Ryder go on SportsCenter and host the the eleven o'clock sports center with Dan Patrick. Like sounds great, but if you've never if you're not prepared for that, that's going to be a nightmare. Yep. Well, Freddie's a, it's a nightmare, and and there's so much more pressure from being a running running backs coach or an assistant coach in in Arizona to 
having no pressure as an offensive coordinator last year with a what were they two and five when two five and one they were two five and one when he took over as OC with with talent by the way no expectations easy schedule and now there's expectations and I'll tell you this too that was done by committee last year I've been told that from multiple people that it wasn't just Freddie Kitchen stepped in and all of a sudden everything turned to gold. But like, that's on the Dorsey. Ass- the assistant coaches split up the the assignments for the the preparation and the schemes. Yes, Freddie called the the plays on game day. Mm-hmm. That's that's a hundred percent accurate. Hugh but Jackson's plays, by le- the way, leading up Hugh Jackson's it, plays. It, well, and also Todd Haley's plays. Um, and why they just didn't keep those playbooks this year? I know. Uh, we finally saw it in Seattle, but I, or against Seattle, but I don't know what the hell they were doing up until then. So. I I just I'm starting to question the hire. I'm not advocating for any type of change there. I'm not saying that he's on the hot seat. I'm just saying that to your point, the inexperience of Freddie Kitchens is the Achilles heel of this football team. There's a reason that assistant coaches get promoted to coordinators or that assistant assistant coaches get promoted to position coaches and position coaches move up to a coordinator and then coordinators move up to head coach. And it doesn't mean they're going to be good head coaches, but there is a reason that's the order. And when you go out of order, you better get it right. Yep. And I'm not saying Freddie kitchens isn't going to end up being a good head coach. I'm saying he's not ready. And we've seen it through six weeks. You saw it with the challenge flag issue there. I mean, Nick Chubb had a touchdown. But he throws the flag right before to challenge it, and he's screaming at the officials. And they challenge it, and fine, you think it's a touchdown. Why didn't you challenge it five minutes before? That was a 10-minute real-time challenge stoppage in gameplay. Like, just things like that. And, And so I want a guy to coach this team that can handle that stuff. Now, maybe he's learning quick. And maybe he's a quick learner, and he'll go up to Foxborough and have this team ready to play and look like that. Like, maybe he'll evolve into that. Or the, but but or, John Dorsey has to know, to your point, has to freaking know when he hires Freddie Kitchens that it just wasn't Freddie. He has to know. I don't give a damn what Baker wants. Baker's a young pup in this league. There's a lot to prove still. And he was in January when they made the hire. So this idea that he's Baker's guy, I don't give a damn about Baker's guy. You know who would be Baker's guy? Whoever he has success with. Whoever he goes to the playoffs with. Whoever he wins the Super Bowl with. That's who ends up becoming Baker's guy. And so if it wasn't just Freddie, and it wasn't him, then what the hell did you hire him for? And I'll tell you right now why. John Dorsey's got an ego. John Dorsey wants control. He's got a coach that, yeah, Freddie probably has somewhat of an ego. He also knows, I'm going to listen to whatever JD says, and I'm going to do whatever John Dorsey says, and that's what we're going to do. Period. Well, if, if, he was doing what, if he was doing what John Dorsey says, he'd run uh, Nick Chubb three times inside the tent. I, I just, <laughs> if I, being, I guess, if we're being, because here's the thing. Here, here, here's when I, because if this, you're Dorsey, you come from KC where you went and got Andy Reid and had success. Why wouldn't you go find the next Andy Reid, which well, was Bruce Arians to me? This, this was the problem Sunday. Was, so they get the ball with five minutes to go in the half, and Freddie Kitchen's deal is I'm trying to get two possessions out of that so we can score twice. But they get to the two, they're inside the two minute warning with the ball at the 12 yard line. And he's not using any timeouts. <laughs> and he's still thinking he's getting two possessions out of this thing. And 
and I'm just thinking, yeah, that's that's not how you. What, what, he I can't really it, think that, right? He's doubled down on it. I, he he can't really think that. I, though, I right? really hope not, because like that's, you can't do that in Madden. Like you can't in a. I almost cussed in a video game. You cannot get two possessions with 90 seconds. Yeah. So, and let's just say for the sake of discussion. That that's not an interception. Against that Jarvis, Russell Wilson. Jarvis catches the catches gets that ball and it goes for a touchdown with ninety six seconds to go in the half. Mm-hmm. Okay, buck thirty six on the clock. Yeah, that's ninety six. Time math really confuses me. Um, confuses Freddie too. <laughs> let's just for the sake of argument say that happens, right? Yep. And you burn your three timeouts. And you get, like, again, we're going ultra positive here. Everything works the way Freddie wants. You're getting the football back with a minute left, and you probably are starting on your own 30-yard line. Again, we're going to be optimistic here with no timeouts. Really? Like, all that's worth it? Like, really? Worth giving Russell Wilson, who's arguably the best quarterback in the game and the NFL MVP through six weeks, and who needed 67 seconds after that interception to go 88 yards down the field and put seven on the board, and he took a a 20 to 12 game, make it 20 to 18, and he took a helmet right to the chest and he drops a dime in the end. That's one of the best throws I've ever seen. Literally this year, maybe any year. I mean, it was such a great throw. But you're right, and if he does that bleep. Against New England and Tom Brady, I sw- then I know you don't want to speculate about his future, but I swear if he pulls that crap again, Dorsey should come down and yank his. I, I don't care if he coaches the team. You cannot. <laughs> I, I'm serious. You cannot do that again against like Russell Wilson to me in, in the Seattle Seahawks. They remind me a lot of the 06, 07 Patriots, where now they're suddenly become offensive heavy and very quarterback centric, and early right. on they were defense and run heavy, like. That's what they are. Russell Wilson, why would you give him the ball with 90 seconds? Like, that should never have been the plan. It should never have been the plan to have multiple possessions. 20 to 12, worst case, you go up 11 going into halftime. You feel great about and yourself. And you, you had control. The, you gave control of that game away with that sequence. Yep, and now you're backpedaling to start the second half. Yep. You know, you get you dominated the first half. A couple turnovers cost you from a blowout, like kept you from blowing them out, and instead you let them right back in. You know what game that reminded uh, me of? A couple years ago, the Browns were up. They were, uh, I think it was the one in 15 year. Yeah. They were up 20 to nothing on the Baltimore Ravens. This was the Corey Coleman breakout game. Right. Yep. (laughs) And the PAT gets blocked and returned for two. So now it's 20 to two, and they ended up losing that football game. That's what that game, because they were up 20 to six, dominating, walked right down the field on their first three possessions, and then they just started imploding. Mm hmm. And I could see the implosion coming a mile. I've covered enough Browns football that I know when the implosions are coming. And I saw that loss coming a mile away. And then when they had that sequence right before the half, I'm like, there's no effing way the Browns are winning this game today. There's no way they're winning this game because of dumb crap like that. It cost them. That's the that's the series. Like if you get a field goal and then Russell Wilson makes a couple crazy plays and gets a field goal and you trade field goals and you're still up 8, you feel good being up 8. Right. And it's not about rehashing what happened in that game. We're just trying to point out specific instances of why we're questioning what Freddie Kitchens is doing here. That it's it's not about dissecting that game. It's mm-hmm. just these are instances that have popped up that we sit here and say Freddie's just not ready to be a head coach. And he, listen, I was thinking about getting the ball back and going and scoring again. Aggressive. 
That's the dumbest. Like yeah. that's there. There are that's time, a meathead there's, idea. There's, there's a, no way he's serious. Right, and it, you know, there's there's the the fine line being between being aggressive and being stupid, and I think Freddie crossed it against the Seahawks. And you know, I, I I'm looking at the schedule, and and you know, was it? it's it's fourteen twenty five and one. If you want to include the the Bengals and you want to include the Steelers twice, it's sixteen thirty five. And one, the record of the final nine game, the ten, the final ten opponents here, mm-hmm. um, or I'm sorry, nine opponents, because I'm including the Patriots in that really good group. Uh, on the surface, yeah, they should be able to go on a tremendous run. But my point is, if you don't beat the Patriots, you're now two and five, and and at two and five, I think you've dug the hole too deep. Now, Dorsey, as he pointed out. The Chiefs started one and five. They won their final ten, got to the playoffs, won a playoff game, completely turned everything around. He credited that to the coaching staff and, of course, the players' uh, attention to detail down the stretch. And I'm not saying it's impossible. The schedule certainly lends itself to a big run here. In fact, if the Browns don't go on a big run, I think it'll be a disappointment. And it, and if they go on this run, it's going to be like last year. Freddie did a great job turning the team around, et cetera. But if they don't make the playoffs because they dug themselves a hole early in the year, it's still a failure to me. To me, this is playoffs or bust because of the talent that they have. Absolutely. Okay. There's yeah. no, you know, so my fear is, is two and five, the hole could be too deep because now you're talking about having to go eight and one down the stretch to make the playoffs. You have given yourself a margin of error as thin as a sheet of paper down the stretch. Nine and seven, I, I I know the AFC North isn't maybe what we thought was going into the season. I mean, I was dumb enough to think that three playoff teams could potentially come out of the division. That's obviously not going to happen. They're going to be lucky just to get the divisional winner in. Um, nine and seven might win the division. But do the Browns get that tiebreaker? Remember, these are the Cleveland Browns. If they didn't have bad luck, they have no luck at all. So if you're counting on the Browns winning the division at 9-7 and seven because the luck and the bounces go their way, you're counting on the wrong crap. The, the good news is they do have a win over the Ravens already, and they right. have two wins in the AFC. So, right. it, so far, they, they it's really it, early. Right. On the tiebreakers right now, they have the early advantage. But do they, they keep it? They, they have the Bengals on the schedule twice. There's two wins, I'm going to assume. I think that they ultimately split with the Steelers, and I think that they split with the Ravens. Is 4-2 and two in the AFC North going to be good enough to give you the edge at 9-7? and seven? Not if you don't beat New England. You, you know what I mean? Like, not if you don't get an extra win to get to that 10-6 and six, like you said. All right, so before we go, there's a couple things I want to get to. One, your comment about six, seven minutes ago about Hugh Jackson. <laughs> oh, man. You said Hugh Jackson would be three and three with this team. Probably. And I come from the land where Hugh Jackson was a good coach. Well, let, let, let me explain so, something here so, real quick. The, re- the reason Hugh Jackson is not the coach of the Cleveland Browns anymore is because of all the crap that was going on behind the scenes. Okay. Because the building fell apart again. Mm-hmm. That's on him. That's why it, it's not because he's not a good coach. He, he was given crap talent to work with. And there was, I believe, some spite between him and Sashi Brown. And Hugh just had a effort moment with Sashi, like, this is the crap you're going to give me to play with. Well, I don't give a crap if we win or not. Whatever. Okay? 
I think I I think Hugh Jackson's a good offensive coach. I really do. And that's why I said I think that if he was coaching this team right now, if he was given this talent to work with, he he'd make the playoffs. They'd win 10 games. Okay? And I know that's real sacrilegious to say in Cleveland considering he was I what uh 336 and 1. Mm-hmm. Okay? I I realize that sounds absurd to say to fans that are still emotionally damaged by his tenure as head coach. But the reason he's not the head coach of this football team and did not get an opportunity to see the rebuild through is because of the toxicity that he created sure. behind the scenes. Well, he's so worried about what people like us were saying. My comment in, in media. My and, comment yeah. was strictly football based. Sure. And, and, and I, that's what I want to talk about because I watched him in 2015, which set him up to get the job here in Cleveland be the offensive coordinator with Andy Dalton. Who would you rather have, Andy Dalton or Baker Mayfield? Baker. Okay. Who would you rather have, A.J. Green or Odell Beckham Jr.? OBJ. Who would you rather have, Marvin Jones or Jarvis Landry? Jarvis. That one's closer to me, but I get why you would say Jarvis. You'd probably take Tyler Eifert over any of the Browns' tight ends. Absolutely. But they, but they have serviceable tight ends. Um, and then they I'd had, take Nick Chubb over anyone. Uh, Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard. Yep. And that's my point. This Hugh Jackson would have had success with this offense. Hugh Jackson, while he would get too cute at times, when he has talent, has shown he can win with it when he's calling the plays. So guess what? I agree with you. Three and three. They wouldn't be four and two. No one would consider them a legitimate Super Bowl contender, but they would have won against Seattle or they would have found a way. Or the Rams. Or they would have found a way to beat the Rams. It would have been one of those two games. They would have destroyed the Jets like they did. And then I think they would have been fine against Baltimore. How Hugh Jackson beat Baltimore last year. And, I, and my worry is, is the Rams game or the Seahawks game is going to cost is going to cost him a playoff berth. And it could. And that's that's why winning that game is uh, it was so crucial. So yeah, that that's there. We've thrown that out there. We both agree on Hugh Jackson. God, people are going to crush us for that. Last thing, it's two and four. They're at the bye. Do the Browns make the playoffs? Daryl Ryder, go. No. Oh, man. Oh, man, oh, man. Are you sure? I think that they... <laughs> they're going to lose at New England, which makes them 2-5. and five, Yep. Which makes the trip to Denver a must win, and Denver's no pushover anymore. I'm going to give them the win there it, it, and say that they now are 3-5 and five after Denver. Buffalo's not a pushover. I think Buffalo can come in here and beat them. So that's a toss-up. Then you've got the Steelers coming to town on a short week, okay? Mm -hmm. You play Sunday afternoon at 1 against Buffalo. You play Thursday night at 8.30 against uh, the Steelers. That's not going to be easy. Then you get the 10 days rest. You'll beat the hell out of Miami. I'm not worried about that. The Bengals are on the schedule twice. There's two victories there. Uh, Going to Arizona, you know, Kyler Murray's playing fairly well. That's, you know, I I think we're all, and I am assuming when I did my 10 and 6, I assumed that that was going to be a win. Mm -hmm. Well, you can drop 30 on you. Easy. You you, you can't assume anything. Sure. Okay. So it's winnable, but I'm not going to assume that's a win. Uh, You got Baltimore again uh, on the schedule. And uh, so I, I give me a record prediction. I think that they're gonna. I think that they're gonna probably finish eight and eight, seven or uh, nine and seven. But if they finish uh, seven and nine, it wouldn't shock me. If that happens, we will be talking about a new head coach next year. 
there's no way you could keep him after seven and nine. You, you'd have to make crazy changes. Anyways, all right, I, I think they are going to get in. Okay. I went through the ups and downs of the Indian season, and it's way different having Terry Francona than Freddie Kitchens. I just Freddie think Kitchens is definitely no Terry Francona. I just think that there's so much talent on this team that they're going to find a way. I'll play the schedule game. They fall to two and five against New England. They beat the Broncos by a field goal. They beat the Bills. By a field goal. I do like Buffalo. I do think people are overrating them a bit. People in Buffalo talking about how they're going to win their next six and be 10-1. and one. Cra- Craziness. Craziness in Buffalo right now. So you beat the Broncos. You beat the Bills. Suddenly you're 4-5. and five. Steelers at home. I get it. Tough. You got to win it. So you win it. Then Miami. So suddenly they win four straight, six and five. They lose to Pittsburgh on the road, six and six. Beat the Bengals. Beat the Cardinals. And there's the key. Can you beat the Ravens? Because now you're eight and six. Can you beat the Ravens and then beat the Bengals? It's going to come down to that Ravens game here at First Energy Stadium that on uh, on December 22nd. It's either going to be a great Christmas. Which, by the way, I predict will be on Sunday night football. It'll either be a great Christmas in Cleveland or not so much. Or it'll it, be like every other Christmas in Cleveland, and, and it sucks. And honestly, Cole, here's the thing about the second half. I already felt it. I live downtown. I get that. I get that lake wind, man. It is cold. I walked to the station today. It is cold in Cleveland already. You know what that means? In October, November, December, especially well, November. Hell, they don't play till November in Cleveland. You, you know what that means? They're gonna run, run, run. It'll be run game, short passes that set up some big plays. And I think they're gonna sit down Freddie Kitchens and say, dude, we have Nick Chubb, we have Kareem Hunt coming. That's the best one-two punch. Literally, running back combo. It's a better word. I should better phrase running back combo in the game. Literally the best one. So we're going to run 45 times, set up Baker for success. OBJ will have a couple big plays. Jarvis on third down. I think they find a way. I think they beat the Ravens. They get to 10 and 6. They'll beat the Bengals. So there we go. Call me a, I don't even know, Homer. I'm not a Browns fan. You can't call me a Homer, but I, I think they find a way to get it done. They're too talented not to, and they'll win in spite. Of Freddie Kitchens. You're not going to get a vehement disagreement from me. I see the path. And the talent's there. And the talent's there. Come on, Freddie. But also... Get out of the way, Freddie. I... Get out of the way. They got a, they got a I, lot of... I'm serious. Of, Chubb and Hunt together should get 40 touches. I know, but... A lo- 40. But you can't assume that Hunt's going to be ready to go against... The, I don't think Hunt's going to be ready, really ready to go until Miami. I really don't. I think he's going to need two weeks. Because remember... They have no contact with him. They're not allowed to talk to him. Okay, he's completely on an island by himself, and he's well, that's probably, where he should be. I understand an island like Zeke working on his body. I understand it, but I know he's coming off surgery. I think he's good to go now. Yeah, so I, I bet we'll right now he's running in. In for the record, I hope you're right, and I see the path. I do see the path, but I also I am trying to be really realistic based on what I've already observed and seen. And if you're Kareem Hunt, the, and this and, the, and this is the problem, the range for me with the Browns is anywhere between seven and ten. Yeah, you can't read this team right now. Mm-hmm. That is the problem. All right, yeah, and and I think uh, the thing with Kareem Hunt, you want to rejuvenate your career, you be part of the solution in Cleveland. The final, you know, ten games, well, with eight games when he comes back. I'm just saying, the the path is there. He's Dale Ryder. I'm James Erpine. Thank you so much for listening. A quick reminder to subscribe. We do this every single week. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcast. Daryl has all of your Browns coverage in one spot, 923thefan.com. Obviously, I got your Indians and Cavs all season long. We got you covered in one spot. 
92.3thefan.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next week, this has been the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.